Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. So uh, before we get into today's episode, I got another question from the audience or, or from our listeners. Uh, I really like the fact that you include interviews from one filmmaker to another in the Hitchcock Truffaut interviews. Are there other interviews that I can find uh, that go through this? That's a great question. I always find it frustrating to go through interviews of filmmakers because a lot of times they get questions that a journalist would ask, but not questions that other filmmakers would ask. And a lot of us are here because we're interested in the craft of filmmaking. And there is there is at least one other Hitchcock interview that I've been able to find that that was held by another filmmaker, a man by the name of Peter Bogdanovich. I've referenced it just a little bit, I think in the Rebecca episode. Um, Peter Bogdanovich is a, a filmmaker and a film historian. And a very young Peter Bogdanovich interviewed Alfred Hitchcock. It's not as extensive as the Truffaut interview, and I can't find the tapes. But there is a tr there are several websites that have transcripts of it if you want to look that up. So if you look up uh, Hitchcock Bogdanovich interview, you can find the transcript. Um, and he just goes right on through the filmography a lot like Truffaut did. And, and I got some really good things out of Hitchcock. So, yeah, uh, and remember, if you guys have any questions, feel free to email uh, the show at hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com, and I will be more than willing to answer them on the air. In the meantime, uh, let me tell you about, about the movie we're going to talk about today. We just got done with Shadow of a Doubt, and uh, Hitch is still working for David O. Selznick, and uh, Mr. Selznick brings a story idea that he found to Alfred Hitchcock. And Hitchcock says, oh, well, that's interesting. Okay. And uh, so he goes to work on the script and gets partnered with a man by the name of Ben Hecht. H-E-C-H-T. Uh, H-E-C, yeah, H-E-C-H-T. <laughs> um, who, who became one of, one of Hitch's uh, most trusted writing companions. And they begin working on fleshing out the script. And that script became the film called Notorious, which is a story about an American spy who falls in love with the woman his agency has brought in to get information out of a Nazi who's hiding in Rio. However, the agency's plan is to let her woo and seduce the target, causing complications both personal and professional for our heroes. So we're going back to the spy stories, the thrillers, this international story of espionage. Once again, we have Cary Grant, who you might remember from Suspicion, if you saw the movie. Um... And we have a new woman uh, by the name of Ingrid Bergman, who, if you've seen Casablanca, you should recognize. This is really a romance story, though. It's not really an espionage spy thriller. It's really a romance story that's just wrapped up in, in, the, in the, the coding of a spy thriller, really. Uh, because the story is more about how this, how this task of having to woo and seduce... Uh, their mark or their target really puts a strain on their newfound love. And we're going to talk about how Hitch approached romance specifically in this movie because I think he had some really good ideas on that because it is kind of the – there's a lot of really old school conventions even still in that genre. And uh, Hitch did a great job of working outside the box in that and uh, – 
and something that that I don't feel we've emphasized enough is is how Hitch approached breaking conventions, not for the sake of breaking conventions, but for the sake of of doing something different, giving the audience something that they weren't expecting, which I've always appreciated in a filmmaker or in any storyteller for that matter. But before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit more about the MacGuffin because this movie. Uh, this movie actually almost didn't get made because of the MacGuffin. Uh, it was something that Hitch and, and Hecht quickly realized that they needed because it's a spy story. Almost every spy story has has a MacGuffin. It's it, it, it's typically what the what the bad guy's motivations is, and and sometimes even what our hero's motivation is. You know, to get the MacGuffin from the bad guys. Uh, in fact, Hitchcock told Truffaut that Rudyard Kipling's spy stories always had to do with stealing plans of the fort or whatever it was. You know, this is, this is a, an early MacGuffin in literature. Um, and in this movie, Notorious, there's a stealing of the MacGuffin. But the audience <laughs> is typically hung up on the plausibilities of the MacGuffin uh, or the likelihood of it. But for the storyteller, it really doesn't mean anything. And that's really interesting because... Because you would think that typically if something has a function in the story, it would be important to the storyteller. But Hitch says that while over the years he learned that the MacGuffin is nothing, part of the problem was that it was difficult to convince other people of that. And that was something that was really, really a challenge in this movie because of the nature of the MacGuffin. In the Hitchcock interviews compiled by Sidney Gottlieb, in an interview with, I'm going to butcher this name, Oriana Falaccia, he says, and I quote, the story isn't important to me. Now, that's interesting. Being a storyteller, the story wasn't important to him. But keep listening. What's important is how I tell the story. For example, in a movie about espionage, what the spy is looking for isn't important. It's how he looks for it. Yet I have to say what, he, yet I have to say what he's looking for. It doesn't matter to me, but it matters a great deal to the public. And most of all, it matters to the character of the movie. Why should the character go to so much trouble? Now, that's a good point. It's going to matter to the audience for their understanding of the story. It's going to matter to the character and to the actor for his understanding of how to play the character. But for the filmmaker, the what isn't important. It could be anything. It could absolutely be anything. It could be a Furby with uranium in it or a... <laughs> Maybe not uranium. I don't know. It could be anything, right? It's the plans to the fort for Kipling, and and in this film it actually is uranium. Sorry, spoilers. And then Hitch went on to tell the story, and I'm going to kind of condense this a little bit. So So Selznick asks Hitch, okay, so what is Ingrid Bergman going to Brazil for? Hitch tells him it's uranium, and Selznick says, well, what's uranium? And he says, well, it's what they're going to use to make the atom bomb. Now, understand, this wasn't public, but there were rumors circulating about what was going on and what the Manhattan Project was really about. And Selznick gets very confused. He's like, what atom bomb? I don't understand. Um, and Hitch, Hitch then says, and tries to divert him, you know, like, that's not important. The movie's about etc. cetera. Uh, but Selznick became so just entangled in this idea of the uranium and the atom bomb and what's going on that he ended up just selling the project to another producer for half the profits before they even began shooting. He just sold sold the script and 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 the director and the and and the cast and everybody just here it, you can have this movie. I don't want it. Now now some film historians have said that it wasn't just that he didn't understand the MacGuffin, he also needed some cash 
because he had a movie called Duel in the Sun that was costing him a lot of money. But either way, he just sold off the sold off the whole production. Um, and it ended up costing him like $4 million in the end. He ended up not getting $4 million because he only sold it for half the profits. But anyway, let me get back to this. Um, so Hitch goes down to see a scientist at uh, Caltech who, when asked about the possibility of an atom bomb, jumped up and asked, asked Hitch if he wanted to be arrested and and said, you want me to be arrested? And and then finally calmed down and, and tried to you know sort of explain, oh, it's not possible, da-da-da-da-da, an atom bomb actually couldn't happen um, and supposedly because of this conversation hitch was and hitch was followed by the FBI for three months I don't know if that's true but supposedly that's true uh, you want to talk about getting hung up on the MacGuffin you know uh, <laughs> the FBI's following him for three months each but yeah I, I I think that's really interesting that 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 hitch got to a point where he's like I don't care about the MacGuffin necessarily. What I care about is what does the character do about it? Where, what, what lengths does the MacGuffin take them to? And I think that's what he's saying when he says the story isn't important to me. It's how I tell the story. I think that's an important thing to remember. And this episode might be really short and I apologize. Um, so that's the MacGuffin. You know, uranium in Brazil for the Nazis. Okay. But let's get back to how he tells the story, what lengths these characters have to go in search of the uranium. As I said before, this is really a romance film. This is a, there's, this, there's this complicated love story between Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. And Ingrid Bergman has to go undercover to seduce and woo uh, the keeper of the uranium, essentially, even though she's in love with Cary Grant. So in an interview, uh, again in Hitchcock interviews, um, this one with Frank S. Nugent, Hitch talks about how he feels about love stories. Hitch wasn't a big fan. He could do without them. The problem was Hollywood producers specifically really felt that they sold so much better than anything else you could put on the screen. So Hitch really didn't have a choice once he came to the States. He kind of had to because every producer wanted some romance in their story no matter what it was. And... Hitch said, and I quote, so you compromise. You can't avoid it. You do the commercial thing, but you try to do it without lowering your standards. And I think that's a really important lesson. At the end of the day, if you're making a movie for a studio, the movie has to sell. It's a, it, it, it has to make money back. You're only as good as your last picture. At least that's, that's, that's the saying I've heard over and over again from people in Hollywood. Um, so as he said, you do the commercial thing, but you do it without lowering your, lowering your standards. I'll give you an example. Really what Hitch didn't like about the love stories was all these conventions and tropes. You know, um, the, the long kiss and the, uh, you know, all these just very boring, blasé things that we see in every movie that has a romance story in it. So he points out a scene in Notorious where, uh, where Cary Grant and Ingmar, Ingmar, Ingmar Bergman is not the right person. Ingmar Bergman is, uh, is a fantastic Swedish director who I hope to get to at some point. Ingrid Bergman <laughs> is the actress in this movie. Sorry. Ingrid Bergman and Cary Grant come into their hotel in Rio and they have this long embrace. Now... The production code or the Hayes Code, um, remember, 
from foreign correspondent that was um, it was the rating system before we had a rating system. It was just very hard, fast rules that said, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do that. Um, said that a kiss between a couple could only be so long at one time. So Hitch uses that restriction to come up with what I think is a really creative way of actually elongating a love scene that you couldn't that 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 would get past uh, the censors. So they walk into their hotel room, and they hold each other standing up out on the balcony, and they start with a kiss. And when they break from the kiss, they don't break their embrace. They stay at that same really intimate close distance, and give each other little love pecks and stuff like that. But they're also holding on a conversation, a conversation where they talk about work, and. Ingrid Bergman talks about the chicken that she's going to make for dinner. And so all this, all this conversation that goes on that has nothing to do with either of them saying that they love each other in so many words. But the subtext is very clearly there. And it even goes so far as for them to stay that distance from each other and they walk back they walk off the balcony back into the apartment room so that Cary Grant can pick up the phone and talk to his boss and they still don't break the embrace. And she's still giving him little little kisses on the cheek. And the camera follows them. So it's all one shot, very, done very, very effectively. Um, all keeping the same kind of uh, two-shot close-up. Um, and as writer Hecht said, you know, I don't really get all this talk about chicken. Um, <laughs> referring to Ingrid Bergman's dialogue that he had been, that Hitch had basically told him to write. But but that's doing the commercial thing without lowering your standards. You know, if, if you consider yourself a really good filmmaker, then you should be able to film anything uh, in a creative way, no matter how commercial or blasé the 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 subject matter might be um and i want to leave you with that long shot it's kind of a teaser for our next class because in our next class session we're going to talk about these long shots because remember hitch was a hitch was a man who really believed in the power of editing the power of the cuts we've talked a lot about the kuleshov theory and the and uh and, and and montage and 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 creating an idea in the audience's mind almost sort of between the cuts. Um, and we'll continue talking about that um, as well as these lawn takes in our next in our next class session. Um, I'm sorry this one was a little shorter than I than I even expected it to be. Um, but uh, you know I I feel like we covered everything pretty well. Um, so again, uh, I mean yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, again, if you want to uh, submit a question, uh, for our class discussion, if you will, you can write me at hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, we have Facebook, uh, Facebook is Hitchcock University. Uh, there's a page for it. Uh, it's pretty recognizable. Uh, there's uh, hitch underscore you at, tw- at Instagram and hitchcock underscore you on Twitter. Uh, please leave us a comment or review or rating uh, wherever you listen to this, whether it's SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, what have you. Uh, yeah, thanks again for showing up for class, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks.